Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Thank you, and what a privilege to be here with you. We're honored. Judy and I are honored. Uh, We love Aaron and Heather and uh, getting to know them and what they brought to First United Methodist in in Tulsa, where we've been members since 2005. And uh, it was was just a joy as they've grown, and we watched them grow in in the spirit and in their anointing and in, in what they do. And I'll tell you what, we wholly believe with all of our hearts that that Aaron and and Heather are here by the will and the purposes of the Lord. And I tell you, they have rich and deep water in them, but they've already shared the deep water and the heritage is here. I was going to speak from the floor, and I just was impressed by the Lord this morning, though, to come into this pulpit, which is more than 100 years old, a heritage of this church. And so there, there are deep roots and foundations here. We want to honor that also. So thank you, and uh, I thank uh, Joe for his leadership in coming here because uh, singing, uh, opening our spirits in worship and our minds to hear the word of the Lord, but then as Joe spoke to, he laid a foundation. Now, I spoke last night, I said some things on foundation, said the early service this morning, I'm going to say it again now, but repetition is the mother of learning, so you may hear this for the second or third time, but... A couple of things are very important foundationally. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. Joe led us. Our Father who art in heaven. Where's the heavenly Father? In heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Father. Then we said the Apostles' Creed together, as we say each week in our home church as well. And we believe in Jesus who... who, uh, died on the cross, was buried. The third day he was resurrected. He ascended into heaven and dwells at the right hand of the Father. Where's Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus was leaving in chapter in, in John, which is are great passages that you really need to live read in chapters 12, 13 through 15, 16. Because Jesus says, uh, I'm going to be leaving you which was shocking news to them. He said, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit. The Father will send the Holy Spirit to testify of me to be a counselor. And you're going to do greater things because he's coming. We've been limited to an 80-mile radius. He's going to be in you, and you're going to spread throughout the world, was his message. And he's going to bring to you the things I say, and he's going to convict people and bring judgment and wisdom and and giftings and power. And then even as Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8, he's, he's, he's going to be with the Father. And he said, I want you to be my witnesses. Witnesses. Not hearsay witnesses. Eyewitnesses. I want you to be my living witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Those concentric circles of influence in your life. First be his witness in our lives and in our marriage and in our home. And then in the larger circle of our employment, our school and where we are. Then in our city in Mustang, Oklahoma. 
and in Oklahoma City and the regions we are, and then go as missionaries where on youth trips and mission trips throughout the world and be my witnesses. <clears throat> but then he says a very interesting thing. Wait, <laughs> wait until you receive the Holy Spirit and power. In other words, Jesus was saying, if you really want to be my witnesses, you're going to need the Holy Spirit and wait till you receive him. And 120 went together, went into an upper room, fasted for, 100, uh, for 40 days, and fasted, pardon me, fasted for 10 days uh, together. And the presence of the Holy Spirit came in, in what we know as Pentecost and just flooded it shook that place and came in as a mighty wind. So we just sang of the presence of God, which in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the presence dwelt on the mercy seat between the, the, the angels on the ark. And when they brought the presence um, of the ark and put it on the threshing floor of Obed-Edom in the Old Testament, the presence was there. Read on what it says. His household, his ranch, his business, his family, Everything was blessed when the presence of the Lord was there. And we need, invite, are instructed to have his presence in our lives here. So his presence in the New Covenant and New Testament, where Father's on his throne in heaven, Jesus is at his right hand, but he has sent Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to be in us and bring the presence of the Lord to bless and enrich and empower our lives until you receive the Holy Spirit in power, which is dunamis, which is the root word for dynamite. <laughs> Explosive, wonderful power. And yet, growing up Southern Baptist, I grew up Southern Baptist, Judy. By the way, Judy and I, we, uh, we do tag team. Uh, there will be moments that uh, she will come up or is invited to come up and, and uh, share. And we tag team, we did with the Sunday school class. <laughs> Sometimes it seems chaotic, but, the, but our giftings are different and, and the Lord speaks different ways with consistent messages through us and with us. But uh, where I'm saying that uh, realizing us growing up and me growing up as a Southern Baptist, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then I really didn't hear any more about the teaching the ministries of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, for years, even two years in seminary, Southern Baptist, I really didn't receive any teaching. And I came to the point in realization of how could this be when I realized that Jesus himself said, I'm going to sit by the Father, but don't worry, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. He's full of power and wisdom and will tell you and enrich and he'll dwell in you and he'll lead you. And, and how could we not know and embrace what he's doing? We live in a, a uh, it's, it's not really a dichotomy, it's a, it, it's, it's a dynamic tension between the duty and devotion of, of the stewardship of all we know in Christ in ministering people who have needs and to each other and us being that vital body of Christ, the stewardship and then, though, the supernatural, which is the Holy Spirit in representing God in his presence in our life and in our congregation, doing all the things that are beyond what we can do. We, sometimes we work and toil and do and all that we can and repent in that. But something doesn't happen until God says, 
boom, I want this to happen. And he delivers his peace and his joy and his presence and, and, and resources in amazing, amazing ways. So it's that dynamic tension. And what we, we, we kind of get in this place, I think we can, where we say, well, well, which one's right? Stewardship or supernatural presence of the Lord? Well, I suggest that that's not an either-or question. I suggest that's a both-and question. James said, "Without works, your, you know, faith is de- your faith is dead without works." So we need to carry out the stewardship of what He's done in us. But if we have something worth eternal value to carry out, we need His supernatural, eternal power dwelling and moving with freedom and liberty in us. Right? Another way of expressing it is we can serve out of duty and devotion, and we also need to have the power and presence of the Lord. And that's what we're here to encourage. You know, when, when, when we've not, and, and I, so I'm not presuming, I'm not assuming, you all come from different backgrounds in that. But when we've not had experiential life with the Holy Spirit, and then they're going to bring in some people from afar to speak about him, and all the fears come up, well, what kind of crazy thing uh, are they going to, a weird thing are they going to put on us, you know? And, I, you know, tongues is always the top of the list. I don't know why that's so fearful. You know, there are about 90,000 other wonderful things that the Holy Spirit brings. And, and, and what about those? So we're not going to put anything on you. What we want to do is invite you by the invitation that Jesus gave to his own disciples. I'm sending my Holy Spirit, and he'll be in you, and he'll be with you. And don't try the New Testament church without him because you need him and his presence in you. That's what we want you. We want you to say yes to the Holy Spirit. The representation of the Trinity and triune God and all of his love and out of all of his power in us. Is the Holy Spirit really all of that? Well, according to the word in the second verse of the entire Bible, the Holy Spirit is there brooding and hovering over chaos. And at the commanded word of the Father on the throne, the Spirit brings creation into being. And then the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before, before the world and, and as it was being formed, they said, let us create man. And he created a male and female in our image. Well, what's his image? His image is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a physical body. It's mind, will, and emotions, and knowledge, and wisdom. But also, it's the Holy Spirit. Father, He. Jesus, He. Holy Spirit, He. The Holy Ghost isn't an it. That sounds like bad grammar. The Holy Spirit is He. The person of the Holy Spirit. And we invite Him into our lives. Adam was what when God first formed me? A piece of well-done sculptor of clay in the hands of God. No mind, will, emotion of that until God what? Breathed into him. The word for Holy Spirit in the New Testament and in the Old is, well, in New Testament Greek is pneuma. Those of you with heavy equipment or other things, pneumatic tubes and pneumatic, they're the most powerful multiplied energy and strength through pneumatic. Pneuma, spirit, spirit, breath. Adam was clay 
And I suggest to you at a point that we're essentially clay, we're molecules, we're chemicals, we're bone, we're all of those things until the breath of God is breathed into us. And when God breathed his breath, he breathed his spirit into Adam and made a perfect man, male and female, in the form of, of him. And the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament would come up on people with power. He would show up. He would do things. He would inspire. He would encourage. He would bring the prophetic words. He would intervene in battles. He would bring healings. He would multiply food. He would multiply amazing things. He would move in a cloud by day and a fire by night to lead the children of, of God to their destined place of promise. My favorite verse, I love to teach on Exodus in the, in the journey. It's an amazing thing amazing story of truth of life amazing real life story uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know they they follow the Lord but in chapter 19 and verse 4 of Exodus uh, God says this I brought you out of your bondage and I bore you up on eagle's wings to bring you to myself there, there was a physical promised land. There was a place of prosperity and dwelling and all of those things in the promise. But God's heart, first of all, was to bring them to him. That's still his goal in us. That's why he sent his son. Because all of the laws and all of the efforts and all of the slain lambs and all of those things could not renew the lives of the children he loved and the people he loved until his son ultimately hung on the cross and died and shed his blood for our sins so that we could be renewed and redeemed in fellowship with the Father for eternity. You know, that's a covenant. The root word of covenant means to cut. It's something we enact. It's the covenant of marriage. We come before witnesses and we say, do you accept this man to be your, do you accept this woman? Yes, we do. And we answer and we say yes. And we do it and the covenant's there and we have a license. Let me tell you, the covenant with the Lord for what he has done for our lives and given bearing his on the cross deserves the same type of attentive historical event, I believe, in our lives. That we say, yes, Lord, I've heard about it. I've studied it. I have even believed it. But I tell you what, I want to make it known. It wasn't enough for me to open that door when I was 24 years old and two years out of college, I was in seminary. Judy opened the door. She came because her roommate was dating my roommate. And, you know, and I'm sitting there strumming my guitar and my cutoff jeans and, and that stuff. And, and uh, she opened the door and knocked my lights out. Boom. And a week later, we knew we were going to get married. And it was a destined thing of God. I did have to sing Leaving on a Jet Plane for her. I mean, that was her favorite song. And we got through that. And, uh, and, and, and that, <clears throat> that was 47 years since we made that commitment. So let me say, there, there, there are deliberate things of obedience throughout the Word. And then there are foundational truths that we apply in life with wisdom. <clears throat> and His promises in the Old Testament, I love Isaiah 30, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the left or the right, we need that voice of the Lord. That's a promise actually prophesying toward the new covenant when, when Christ, our teacher, ultimately our teacher, will be with us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives as we allow him to rule and to lead us in our lives. <laughs> but that covenant needs to be committed. It's a deliberate thing. Jesus, you gave your life to be my Lord and Savior. Do you accept me? I 
He says to the church, it was to the church in Revelation uh, 3, I behold, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, I'm, I want you to open the door. Sounds deliberate and come in. This is to a church. But see, there are places in, in our hearts and hurts and, and, and needs and every other aspect and, and things we don't understand and things we can't figure out. And he's saying, I want to come in and I want to tell you and share with you everything I am and everything I know. So what do I think about the deliberateness of the Holy Spirit? What would I have as a, a, a great hope and dream of, out of this whole weekend, this beginning place? Is that you say, well, yes, Holy Spirit, I want you to come into my life. Come on in. I need you. I want you. I want you to really take a throne in my life. And I, I, Jesus, I don't even believe in you, but I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. <clears throat> And that's done. Now, is, is that too forceful or that? Let me tell you what I've come to deal with. When I've run into things, having been a Christian since I was 15, so I'm running up on a lot of years now of being a Christian, and then I hear something new and fresh that I haven't heard, and I thought, well, I've never done that. Well, you know, you know here's an easy way to handle that to borrow from Nike, just do it. <laughs> just say, I was baptized when I was 15 and when I was saved. <laughs> and then 20 years, 15 years later, I learned about the power of, and, and the, the, not just the symbolism, the truth of being buried by baptism into death and rising in the newness of life. And when I come up out of that water, I'm telling you what, there's something new in me and on me. <laughs> Because it's just signifying what's been done. And we were commanded to do that. And Jesus was commanded. And he did that to be in obedience. <clears throat> so what did I do? I said, well, hey, take me back to the trough, baby. I'm ready to go under again. <clears throat> Let's just do it. it wasn't, I didn't make it a theological hang-up. I didn't make it any hang-up. I just said, okay, God, if you want... I have something new in my life, then I want something new in my life. Holy Spirit, I'm just really realizing that you represent Father and Jesus here and I want you in my life. I want you in my life. I want all you have for me. And I know, I believe you're there, but now I want to say I want more. I want to let you into some rooms that I hadn't let you into. I want you to rule and reign in life. And I want to experience the power and the joy and the fruit of your spirit. I want joy and peace and love and kindness and long-suffering and patience. I, I want those things in my life. And what do we do? We struggle with fears. Well, what weird thing they're going to do? Listen, I'm proud, by the way, of the, um, of the Mustangs and, and their uh, getting into the playoffs and those wonderful things. I was a running back in high school. All district as a junior, injured as a senior. That career ended. <clears throat> but, I, you know, when I went out for football with a coach, it was very demanding, and I learned so much from my life through him. You know what I didn't say? You know what I didn't say to him? Well, Coach, I'll run the ball, but you've got to promise me this, <clears throat> that no one's ever going to knock me down or try to tackle me <clears throat> or grab my face mask. <clears throat> now, if you promise me that, I'll do it. Do you know sometimes we can do that maybe unconsciously <clears throat> with the one who died on the cross for us and the Holy Spirit who's been sent to live in us? And unconsciously, you know what we say? <clears throat> it's what I said, what I believed early on, really what I wanted. I wanted to be an overcomer in an uncontested life. How does that work? It doesn't work. 
The things we overcome by the power and presence and love of the Holy Spirit in our life gives us the testimonies that we need that share and encourage other people. And we all experience, Judy expresses so well in, in her book, Journey Different. Don't ever compare our sorrows. There are sorrows we don't know. We don't know the sorrow of losing a spouse. We don't know the sorrow of going through the rejection and the, and the challenges of divorce. We, we, but we've lost We've lost our children at times. We have two children and six grandchildren. We're going to live our life full of joy with them and let God take the rest of that and take the, the pain and transfer that. And he's been so faithful. And that becomes our testimony to people who are fearful. Don't let fear be the challenge. Judy, uh, the first time I, I just had so much and I read from Scripture and Afterward, Judy said, you really read way too much and you need to just talk and not do that. And so after I worked through my offense at that, uh, I, I want to confess, darling, you were right. I'm not going to read the scripture this time. I'm just going to tell what is there. And so I'd like the church secretary to make a note of that, send it to Judy on the 17th of November at uh, 11.50.45 that I confess, hey, she's right so much of the time. Her giftings are different, and my giftings are different, and how we go about things are different. We're still working out things in our marriage of 47 years. And you know what working out means? Learning more and more to yield and love. That's what it means. So let me be quick about this. Here's what I would say in regard to our hearts, in regard to the Holy Spirit. The question is, will you open your life to him? The Methodist Church, he, what a legacy. A friend told me actually uh, not long, a, a couple of years ago, he, he shared with me a report that was given of, of young Christians that were meeting in corners and out in lots and had all these new songs and were making noise and keeping everybody up. People had to call the authorities and it was so absolutely disruptive. <clears throat> the only issue it was the Wesley brothers actually that were doing that in England a couple of hundred years ago. There's a heritage I want to tell you in the roots of Methodism. And it was called Methodism because they were methodical about getting it where the priest didn't have to do everything and build everybody's life, but they needed to study and learn the Word of God together and then sing hymns. And they came out of the church of England and out of that to bring that message. In the revivals and the great awakenings in the United States, they were the shouting Methodists. They were holy rollers. They have borne the things. I look at the logo of the Methodist Church. It's the cross representing Christ. It's two flames. I, I learned last night there were two union of two things. But why do they choose flames? I don't know, but when I see flames, I hear the Holy Spirit. I hear John the Baptist saying, I'm just baptizing you with water, but the one who's coming, meaning Jesus Christ, he's going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. I don't know how to deal with that other than say, have your way, Lord Jesus. I accept your cross and I accept your spirit. Let's let it happen. Because I want you to fulfill all your purposes in me. Paul said, if I can just apprehend, if I can just get a hold of the things that God got a hold of me for, that would be my wish for every one of your lives. But we disqualify ourselves. Moses disqualified, well, I can't talk well. And I'm wanted for murder and I, and I do this. And Isaiah said, well, I, I, I'm, I have unclean lips and I can't do it. There's a whole history of people saying, I can't do this. And, and Peter's just a fisherman in, in all of this thing. 
And we have such a tendency to disqualify ourselves from God doing anything spectacular and wonderful in us. But he's talking about disqualify yourself and and in the spirit. Um, I don't think I can understand why anyone would be afraid of a loving God who wants to reveal himself to you and in you and through you. Remember the definition of God? He's love. He's love. And this is something he's done for us. He's given us the most powerful weapon we have. You know what it is? Our will. We can will to reject him, and he'll never cross it. We can will to receive him, and he'll give us everything that he has. All that he is, it's our will. If you are satisfied with your life and the way and the way you're walking with the Lord and the impact you're having on people's lives around you, and you're able to pray according to what the Spirit is saying and you see results, great. Ask for more of that. If you're not satisfied and you want more of the Lord in your life, through your life, to your life, then will. I will, Lord. I will ask. I will come forward. I do want to be prayed. I will to walk up there and be prayed for, to be healed, to be delivered, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to speak in tongues. Oh, my gosh. I've never spoken in tongues in public, but I speak in tongues a lot. And I will tell you the power of tongues for me. When I pray in tongues, and I'll be quiet afterwards, I hear the interpretation. And there's been people that have asked me to do some things, you know, pray for them or something like that, and I just don't know how to do it. And I just sit there and pray in tongues quietly, and I wait, and then I hear. That's the body of Christ working in us and through us. Some are arms, some are legs, some are their servants. And we're going to ask uh, Aaron if we're inviting ourselves back, Aaron. We want to come back and teach on the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've done it for years and years and years. And when, we, when it was taught to us in our 30s, it changed our lives. Mm-hmm. Because I understood what mm-hmm. God put in me as a motivational gift mm-hmm. and then the other gifts I work in. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just release you. We release mm-hmm. you. Let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit have his way with you. Mm-hmm. He's God. You're not. Thank you. You can take that with you. When I brought up the Mustangs, I'm following with what she's saying there. Thank you, babe. Uh, uh, the playing, you know, weird laying hands on somebody, anointing them with oil, uh, maybe even speaking in tongues, raising your hands during worship, dancing before the Lord and all of those things. You want to see something weird? Go to a football game. Half the people is freezing, their shirt, not half, a lot of the young ones, and they got their shirts off and they got their faces painted half blue and all of these things. You want to see weird go there. Listen, it's not weird when we're doing the things of the Lord. It's just unexpected sometimes. And we never understand how mightily he uses those things. He's going to ask us to do and ask you to do some unusual things. They're new things. They're fresh things. And we got to realize, are we going to worry about what them and they say, or are we going to worry about what he says in our lives? 
That's a risk of faith that we have to take in obeying the Holy Spirit. The second most dangerous thing that we can do in our lives is to say yes and to the Holy Spirit and make a place for His disruptive, wonderful force in our lives. That's the second most dangerous thing. Well, what's the first most dangerous thing in our lives is to not make a place for Him, to not say yes for Him, and therefore He does not come. Now, that's dangerous. You know what? It's been a process, but I came to a point that I quit worried about how it was going to be manifested. I'm more concerned about a life with no manifestations than I am with a life with manifestations. Because if I'm not willing to risk that, there are going to be some people that could have been healed that don't get healed. That could have been delivered and don't get delivered. That could have been saved and don't get saved. That could have been set free and don't get set free. So, we're standing in line. Was it Star Wars where we were going to see that? Where we were in that huge line? I don't know. Some big giant line at the movie. We're standing in line, and I could hear the Lord. There was just a girl behind me. I could just hear the Lord speaking. And so, it was, I mean, we're, we're a long way before we get in. So, I think, oh, i got plenty of time. And I turned around, and I said what I said to her. She just broke right there in the line. And so, I'm just talking to her. And I'm just walking back. And I'm going, da, 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 da. And I pray it. She just broke. I saw her in the bathroom at intermission, so it was a long movie. The, the intermission, I guess it was Star Wars. And, um, and she's sitting there. And she came up. She just hugged me. She just hugged me. And she said, how did you know? How did you know? I said, I did it. I said, but the Lord who created you and the Lord who loves you, he knew. Now, isn't that exciting to live a life on the edge like that? And we're never too old. And we're never too young. I've That's seen right. kids do some mighty things. That's right. Take that with you. <laughs> Thank you. Here's my 25-minute tw message in two and a half minutes. <laughs> Nerve, zeal, and guts. Nicodemus, ruler, Pharisee, knowledgeable on the Sanhedrin ruling body. He comes at night. He's a little bit concerned about what his buddies are going to say if they see him talking to Jesus. But he says to Jesus, I know what you're saying is true because I see the results. I see the manifestations. I see what's happening at the command of your word. And I want that. And he said, and Jesus said, well, you got to be born again. He said, I can't go back inside my mother. He said, Jesus said, no, you can't. You're born of the flesh or the water, but you've got to be born of the Spirit. And if you're going to be in the kingdom, you've got to be in the Spirit. And Nicodemus bought into that. And when they took Jesus to the tomb to wrap his body, who was there? Nicodemus. He stayed. He risked everything in his status. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In Jericho, Jesus was walking through those streets. He was very rich and he was very short. <laughs> he couldn't see over the crowds. He knew which way they're going down the street. He runs down. He climbs up in a sycamore tree. Jesus walks by, looks right up and sees him, says, get down in a hurry, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. 
Zacchaeus ran down and invited him to his house. Even on the way, he was confessing to him, hey, everything I've done wrong, I'm going to make up for. I'm going to repay it double. Anyone I've shorted on, I'm going to repay it four times. I'm going to just change everything. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said, salvation has come, salveo. The salvation, eternal salvation, healing, and new and fresh life is coming to your house. And the people on the sideline were watching and saying, what is Jesus doing talking to that tax collector, that evil guy? Well, listen, our kids, even us, we painted pictures of Zacchaeus and colored them in, in our little classes at Sunday school. We all know who Zacchaeus is, and he made the big book in red ink. Name one of the thems that said you shouldn't be doing that. Listen, Zacchaeus had to get above the level of his eyesight and his mental ability to understand, to say, I'm going to get to Jesus, and, and, and if he wants to come to my house, come on in. The last thing is, is the guts of Gamaliel. So the nerve of Nicodemus, the zeal of, of Zacchaeus, the nerve of Nicodemus, I mean the, the guts of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was in the Sanhedrin. The apostles were preaching thousands were now coming. It was really disruptive. They threw him in prison. An angel released him out of prison. They're right back the next morning doing it. And they call him in again to before the uh, ruling body in the Sanhedrin. And they're going to whip him. We said, we told you not to speak in Jesus' name. Now people are going to hold us responsible for killing him. And they're worried politically and all of these things. And they wanted to kill him. They said, okay, we've got to kill him. Gamaliel said, get them out of the room. We need to talk privately here. Gamaliel said, look, there was another guy uh, a while back, and he had about 400 followers. He was supposed to be something special, but he died, and it all dissipated and went away. And then there was another guy after him named Judas, and people followed him. And it was a pretty big kind of movement, but he died, and it all passed away. So listen, if this isn't God, it's just going to pass away. This Jesus thing, it's just going to pass away. That's not going to be of anything. But I suggest to you that if this is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. We're not going to be able to stop it. And so I think we better leave them alone and see if God's in this or not, or else we'll be fighting against God. It takes that kind of guts. He stood up against all the rest of the Sanhedrin and said, we better watch out that we open the place for God. Here's what I would say to you. Have the nerve of Nicodemus. Go after the Holy Spirit. Go after the presence of the Lord. Go after everything he's got. Ask for more, as Judy says. Have the zeal of Zacchaeus. Hey, we can't say, if we understand everything about the Holy Spirit who created the universes beyond what we can see and, and, and is so expansive and all of that, and, and I'll accept him when I can understand everything about him. Well, good luck. Won't happen. Maybe in your two millionth year of eternity, you'll start understanding some fullness of who he is. Okay? So we accept by faith and move in that. So do that. Be willing to step by faith. Invite the Holy Spirit to be large and in charge in your life. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.